Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. The podcast where we delve deeper into landscape business, interviewing legends of the UK landscaping industry. So, join host Nick Ruddle as he explores their thoughts, insights and experiences. That's here on the Grow Landscapers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Grow Landscapers podcast. I'm Nick Ruddle and today we're joined by yet more landscape royalty, Mr David Dodd or Dodsey. From the outdoor room. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Nick, and thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Now, um, you're someone that's who's vastly experienced and extremely well known in the industry. And looking at the amount of awards, the awards you've won is no surprise. So, just how many awards is it now? Um, we're on to our eleventh, no, twelfth gold medal. Uh, for Chelsea. We've got around 25 other RHS medals from Hampton Court and, and other shows. Wow. Um, and we've got 11 Barley Awards, four principals. But our greatest accolade, now we're only chasing now because we, we finally won Best in Show for the Guangzhou Garden, which was designed by Grant Associates last year. Uh, no, it was, uh, 2021. Yeah. The only September show there was at Chelsea. We won Best in Show, so that was that was um, that was it for me. That was that was um, the, the biggest accolade we've ever received. Wow, that's a phenomenal list! A phenomenal list must be. Um, well, I can't I can't think. There's too many other people that have uh, won more Chelsea or more RHS awards than yourself. I know that Mark at um, uh, well, Landform um done about 107 Chelsea Gardens. Oh, he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, else, it, yeah. it's just always good to see him there. Yeah, at, at yeah. Chelsea, yeah. you know, is, 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 is a great asset to the industry and particularly show gardens as well. Yeah, and um, a good so, mate of yours. A good mate of yours. I think, I think everyone's only ever going to be chasing Mark, aren't they, for, for numbers? Yeah, well, if you're chasing him, you're not going to be too far. You're not going to be doing too badly, are you? <laughs> anyway, as you know, I've been stalking you for a while to get you on the show. So thanks so much for your time. Welcome. Uh, let's get cracking, shall we? Mm. so um let's go back to the early years where did it all start and how long have you been in the industry it started as i was the black sheep of the family out of three children so both parents were teachers i um my brother is now a, a priest at canterbury cathedral my sister was a well she's actually kate cooney from perennial 
So, but but she's uh, she was sort of like high flying businesswoman for Reed, and then I signed up for the Navy because I didn't think that I could get a proper job or a real wow. job. Wow. And then um, while I was waiting for my release papers to be signed, um, I um, there was the eighty seven storm, yeah. and so I was fascinated by seeing what nature can do. Um, my sister sorted me out, uh, Kate sorted me out a job with Reed Employment, and it was clearing up in Putney after the storm at a college, Whitelands College. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And it was a Polish head gardener, Yanis, um, and I just adored working for him. And he started to teach me about plants and, and, and about lawn care and pitch care. And I just remember going home and saying, I'm not doing in the Navy now. I'm, I, I want to be a gardener. Brilliant. Brilliant. So real passion for that. You just found your, yeah. found your what you what you should do in life, your vocation yeah. in life. I had an apprenticeship at Chessington Zoo, as it was then, and it became World of Adventures. Yeah. Uh, went to Worcester Park Nurseries, worked for F. Giles in Epsom, and it was just learning, learning, learning. And then that was the point where I said, do you know what? I, I want to do this properly. I want to learn this properly. And I got into Merriswood. And in those days, that was 1989. In those days, I had seven O. I scraped together seven O levels, which I thought I was doing all right, mm. but uh, I didn't have maths. And in those days, Mary's wouldn't let you in without maths. Wow! And so I had to sit that privately yeah. um, to do. It was GC. I can say I've got a GC. I actually got GCSE French when I was 32 as well. <laughs> but I, I, I had to do GCSE maths to get into into Marieswood. and then it was the happiest time finally i hated school it's a very strict old boys grammar school mm. and for the first time i i was i couldn't wait to get to college wow. because i was finally learning something that i was interested in yeah, and motivation and, um, and, 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 and then when i became a teacher i started teaching at Mariswood, and you know both my parents were like oh this is the greatest news ever you're finally a teacher <laughs> and, and then uh, i remember bumping into an old old um headmaster and bearing in mind i was threatened to be expelled about three times yeah. and and he said i, I can't believe you teach yeah <laughs> so that was it and it was just that passion mm. of, of of not only gaining knowledge i mean they say you know every day is a school day in landscaping mm. but actually having that passion to then pass on that knowledge is yeah. is just as satisfying and here you are again sharing that knowledge for others <laughs> brilliant so it's obviously in your blood to want to help other people and this is why we're here today i suppose and i know that you've got a really good story to tell lots of great insights so um, what made you go into business then in the first place i think i started teaching i then i i, I went to greenwich uni to do um the beard in education so um became a qualified teacher uh and then the whole politics of Wood and i think a lot of colleges changed and they started to reduce the contracts and they offered me a job as a practical instructor. So I was being stripped of, of lecturer status. And, and I just said, I, I can't afford to do this. And so I was slight, my father had just, just died and I was slightly forced into, uh, my wife was, was pregnant. Um, she was just about to have our first kid. And I said, I've got a mortgage. How, what am I going to do? So I, f I felt slightly forced into having to go out and earn. Mm. And I remember the early days, I had a couple of jobs here and there. I remember mixing up concrete by hand because I couldn't afford a mixer. I had mm. a beaten up old pickup. 
Um, friends were helping do a bit of labouring where I needed it. And, and and it really was sort of scrabbling around, writing, getting leaflets printed down at Pontoprint, offering lawn care and landscaping services. So it was literally doing leaflet drops door to door. Yeah. Um, and you, you picked up a bit there. And, and then gradually, you get a bit of fortune, you get a good client, they recommend you. And then before, you know, about a year later, you then go, actually, we're getting quite busy. Yeah. Um, so, so it's sort of. I think it, it it found me rather than I I I, I never intended to go self employed, but I think I always had that slightly entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think that's a real driving factor as to whether or not, I don't think it's for everyone. I think the industry has got far too many one man band self employed people. And I think if the industry was more respected, which yeah. which I think the organisations are really improving that the, the kudos of being a landscaper and it being recognized as a serious career i think with this is going to force um salaries up it's going to um you know and i think a lot of people might might be a better option for them working for a larger company an yeah. organization rather than just hundreds of or even thousands of, of one-man bands yeah you know I, th- I think some people are actually better off working for companies it's not for everyone you know owning a company yeah, if you work for a, a proper company, you know that's, that's run well. You know you can be developed. You can be, you know, you, you can you can progress your career, can't you? Because you've got the right people, the right systems, the right foundations in place. And I think um, if you um, if if you're serious about progressing, then you'll progress well in that kind of company with that kind of support. Um, but yeah, the one man bands, I don't think they're set up for it. They probably don't have necessarily have the business knowledge on, a, on you know to to develop people, you know, in their careers. Yeah, I mean, you learn as you go along, I think, with with, with business. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, what have I learned from that experience? What have I learned from this experience? How can I do that job more efficiently? Yeah. But I think when there are some people who those constant mistakes actually just drives them. You know, we've got one of our one of our senior foremen. He went off for um, two or three years and he wanted to have a go himself. And he... he came back and he just now I want the stability of, yeah. Um, yeah. Of, 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 you know, being employed and, you know, he knows what money's coming in every month, et cetera, et cetera. And he was spending weekends and evenings doing the quotes because he, and, and I don't think he had the, the drive or, or the, I wouldn't say know how, but he, he said, I don't want to expand. So he just wants to landscape. Yeah. And, and trust me, I'm very jealous of, of some yeah. of my staff. Not on days like this, it's absolutely talking no, it going over there. But I think um, I'm very jealous that I'm not on the tools as, as as I used to be. And that was, and when I am, my wife always used to say when I got home, she said, you've been on site today, haven't you? And, and I said, how do you know? She goes, because you're happy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is that you start landscaping because you love landscaping, but in order to build the business, you can't be on the tools. Can you? You've got yeah. to, you've got to you've got to go into into the office, and it's probably not why a lot of people go into running a landscape business for themselves in the first place. But it evolves, isn't it? And you 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 have to because otherwise there's there's no work, or you know you, you can't um, you can't really develop the business if you're if you're on site if you're not. Working. Pearl of wisdom, pearl of wisdom number one, then Nick, yeah. work on your business, not in it. Absolutely, it's a very very. I'll, I'll let you have that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very common one that isn't it because you know, i think the the, the chap that uh, that um 
coined that phrase was uh, Michael Gerber, who wrote the E Myth. Uh, and in oh. 19, I think 1975, he, he wrote the first version of that. So it's been going for, um, well, over 45 years now. I thought I invented that, Nick. No, well, you, you, you're a wise man too, aren't you? So you obviously, you obviously, um, you know, you know, you know your stuff. But um, it's true because if you're working in your business, and a lot of these people you're you're describing there, you know, they're one-man bands, they, they they work in the business. But the, the set of skills you need as a brilliant garden, uh, well, a, a, a gardener, a landscape uh, a landscaper or or a garden designer, a totally different set of skills to those of running a business. You know how mm. to how to build a business, sales, marketing, leadership, how to systemize. You know all those kind of things um, are a whole different subject to being great uh, a great landscape. You know, great land, running it, a great it, landscape. It was also difficult uh, initially for me letting go of no i know how i want that yeah, built i yeah. know the quality and the Trust. standard i want yeah yeah how yeah. am i going to instill that into my staff yeah and I, I think you can and it's a case of and then when you've got one foreman you know who's driving that quality mm. i think that that actually pulls new staff up yeah. and we've got a new member of staff who, who's worked for quite a close rival company he started four months ago and he said he's learned more in four months than he has in the previous four years at his old company. Wow. And, and 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 he said, I can't believe the standards the outdoor room are requiring. Mm. Uh, he said, but it's fantastic. Yeah. He said he, he's you know really really happy to push on, and he's a good landscaper. Mm. But it's sort of I was looking at some of his work. I was going, I don't want that. You know, I was out on the site just for a meeting. I said, like, I don't want that. Doing. Mm. I don't like the way those trees have been staked. This is how I want it doing. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. And yeah. so it, if you've got the new staff willing to learn, yeah, um, and and you know, you you can let go of that of that uh, role. And I think some of the guys, you know, things like paving, brickwork, stone, they're better than me now. Anyway, I don't think I could go. I just go out and do a odd bit of labouring if I'm needed. <laughs> Expensive labour, I would. I would mm. Yeah, well, I think you know the key is to recruit people that are better than you because if you get involved, you make things worse. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, you want, yeah, you want something to, like that. Then they won't allow you on site, which is probably probably a good thing. But um, good stuff, good stuff. Um, already some some good lessons in there. Working uh, working on the business rather than working in the business. Um, people should take note of that if they're not doing that already, or work out a way of how you progress from working in to working on. Um, mm. So so. What does the business look like? Well, what, what did it look like when you actually started? I mean, what what did is it just a van? Is it you and a mate? Was, did you have a load of tools? Well, as I said, I, I, I scraped some money together, bought a beaten up old um, Toyota Hilux four by two. Yeah, and uh, loved that. Had had the column gears on it, and um, I had that. I had a few hand tools. Luckily, I still got on very well with the old technician at Merris Wood in the workshop. So I used to, I was always popping in, in there saying, oh, you know, is there any chance of borrowing a whacker plate? Is there any chance of borrowing a mixer? Yeah. Yeah. And he's going, yeah, make sure you bring it back, though. And, and so it, it's I, I borrowed tools. You know, I'd have to hire tools. Um, and, and then the only thing, I knew how to do it, but it was just having the resource to actually do it. And then the jobs were getting bigger. I thought, I can't just ask my next-door neighbour. No. You know, I, I had a mate who was a fireman. Um, you know, so he's when he wasn't on 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 shift, he, he would come and work for me. Um, I thought I'm actually going to need, and I had a guy, an ex student of mine from um, 
Merriswood. He came to work for me. He's now a landscape architect in Hong Kong. Wow. So he's, he's gone on to bigger and better things. Mm. Uh, I then had Gavin Barrett. He was in the same year. He came to work for me when he finished at uh, Merriswood. He finished his course. And Gavin's still with me now. Wow. So he's, wow. he's, he's, that's 20, 27, 28 years this year. Oh, he's loyal. He's worked for me for. So he's, um, he's, he's done brilliantly. He's now head of maintenance. Yeah. So he's moved a few roles from senior foreman um, to he, he came into the office. He was like a caged animal in the office. He hated it. Yeah. And uh, and and then, but our development of of maintenance. I've never really done maintenance seriously, but we that 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 side of the business started to grow, and he's still growing as well. Mm. And um, he now he now runs that. Yeah, brilliant. So, what does it look like now then? So, what does the uh, the outdoor room look like now? So we're we're moving offices later on this month. So we we bought pots and pithoi, and we moved in here. And already the outdoor room has outgrown the office space we have here. Yeah. So it's the old Rusper golf course um, we're moving to. We've got the whole upstairs of, of, of what was the clubhouse. It's all been completely renovated and restored. Really? So so huge new offices. We've still got the yards, um, got the nine-acre yard there. We've got 14 vehicles, all personalised number plates on the vehicles. So going from my first beaten up old Hilux to a whole new fleet. We've got four new vans on order. Um, So, yeah, and and lots and lots of, whereas I was borrowing stuff, it's now just a case of, oh, we need a new whacker plate, can you go and buy one? And, you know, the whole computer systems has has been streamlined. And, and yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, so far cry from where you started, and brilliant, <laughs> brilliant achievement. I mean, when you look, but back- I think you appreciate it. Nick. Um, you know, I never take anything for granted. Even now, mm. never take anything from granted. And when when people sort of say, "Oh, you know, I'm just a one man band," I was going, "Don't ever, ever belittle what you do." Yeah, always, yeah. always. Mindset, you know, anything, anything can change. And trust me, I'm, I mean, I, I, I mean this. If I can do it, anyone can do it. It's, yeah. it's um it, it, it's just a case of, of of you know if you you've got to want that drive and you've got to yeah. need it. If you're not sure then i always say to people ask yourself soul search ask yourself um you know what why do, not just i want to do it why do you want to do it money is, is that a driving factor yeah respect who does i i i, I don't know um what drives me uh, i think the older i've got one thing i would say certainly the older i've got the less interested i am in money now yeah. um i know what i like i like going to the pub how much is a pint you know i like going for a curry i yeah. like not fine wine and fine dining yeah but i don't do it every night um yeah. but i i you know it, it's i've got quite simple tastes yeah, I think once you once you've ticked the box of you know the finance box, and that's not a you know major thing, and that's all settled. Then it's the simple things in life, really. I think, isn't it? Making yeah. sure that you're healthy as well. Obviously, yeah. If you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything, have you? So, um, health, family, and all the other stuff comes off the back of that. After that, yeah. Very good. Um, okay, then. So um, here's a big question: What do you think the most important elements are to running a successful business in the landscape industry? Ooh. Where'd you start with that? Number one, being honest. Brilliant. Um, I think be honest with your staff. 
be honest with your clients. If something's not going to happen or something's gone wrong, don't try and cover it up. Don't try. I won't swear. Um, don't try and BS them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's absolutely no point. Um, and if you're up front with people, I think that, you know, we, we, we had a bizarre scenario last year um, where the, the, the developers and, and, and the main contractors were in this huge sort of 14 million pound refurb in West London. And this was in, and the house is a completely empty shell. Mm. And, and, and the, the, the project manager saying, oh, yes, the clients are moving in in April. And I went, no, they're not. <laughs> and everyone sort of turned around and stopped and stared at me. And I was going, don't be ridiculous. I said, you've got about a two-year build here. Yeah. And, and it's just constant, like, telling the clients what they want to hear isn't always the best policy. No. Tell them the truth, and, and I think you actually gain more respect, and they'll they'll look to turn towards you more yeah. if they want the honest answer. Um, that that's what I've found. Um, but again, I also think be honest to yourself. Know know your limitations. I think if you're if you're kidding yourself, people will see through it. And, and, and there's absolutely, there's, there's no point in that. Um, I think the second one would be, so it's about honesty. Um, I think the second one would be don't overgear um, your business. If you're trying to build your business up mm. and you want it to be successful, don't take it. So I wouldn't take on, um, um, you know, a, a multi, multi-million pound contract. That's yeah. not what the outdoor room does. We would take stuff on up to two and a half, three million, yeah. but I wouldn't take on a fourteen million pound, you know, public contract. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know how to. No, um, I think, and, and you can put that on every level. If you're used to doing gardens twenty five, thirty thousand pounds at a time, I would question whether or not you would be prepared to take on a project of a hundred thousand pounds, two hundred thousand mm-hmm. pounds. I did that back in 2005. So we've been going for about 10 years. And I think the biggest job we've done was about 50 or 60K. And we did one for 150. Lost a lot of money on it. Mm. Um, but it was a very heavily publicised garden. And it took us nine months to do 150 grand. I'd go mad if 150 grand job took nine months now. Yeah. But it was a case of um, what I learned from it. Um, and how did how would I do that again? Fortunately, it didn't bankrupt me. Yeah. Um, and we learned so much. The next job we did was about 90,000, so smaller but still of a significant amount. And we absolutely smashed it out of the park. Yeah. It's it's efficient how it was organised, how it was run, and 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 therefore I say what I lost financially on that first big job we did. I've I've had that paid back a hundred times over. Priceless lessons, painful, but but priceless. <laughs> it wasn't the time. Didn't know whether or not I could pay the you know pay the guys. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's 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 but having a word again going back to honesty, having a word with them saying, look boys, we're losing a lot of money on this. I'm going to ask you, would you do some overtime at weekends? Can I pay you? You know when we yeah. you know get get some money in and this and they were great. All of them said yeah yeah no problem. Let's get because it was a beautiful job. Yeah, and uh, still on our website. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, loved it. 
Amazing, amazing. Very good. Anything else? Any, any other um, important elements before moving on? Good cash flow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're doing a project, I think it's really important to, I mean, 50% up front and 50% on completion is, 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 that's that just doesn't work you know that's a ridiculous way way of getting the money you have too much upload yeah. and, and then there but you soon that soon runs out and if things start to go wrong yeah and you know you've got bad weather for a couple of weeks or you know staff goes off sick or whatever things are held up and, and you're not going to get paid until that job's finished we we sort of break it down in t's and t's i like jcli i like, I like valuation monthly valuations because you know you're getting paid for what you've done yeah, but I also we, the other one is I think we do about five or six payments varying between twenty to 15, 20, 10 percent, whatever, and they're done in 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 percentages like that. Yeah. Um. But like I say, small and often is better than big chunks at the beginning and at the end. Yeah, well, it's manageable for the client, manageable for you, it helps you to manage yeah. your cash flow better, and, and uh, cash is the oxygen of business, isn't it? Without it. You die. So uh, uh, yeah, we can do. Good. Okay. Um. Brilliant. Well, look, some 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 great uh positives there. Some things you need to put in place to have a successful business. But you've touched on it already. What are the biggest mistakes or what are the biggest lessons you've learned then in all your years of being in business? Work life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you 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 said to me before we came on about you know not not necessarily seeing your kids grow up. No, how painful. no, and they 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 resent it to this day. It's, yeah. No, they don't. They're lovely. Um, it was it was funny enough because they they I sort of never saw the older ones growing. Sam now runs Pots and Pithoi, right. so he's 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 I, I have to see him every day now. So he's um, um, he, he's he's doing that, and then uh, but Max is is doing well. But the two eldest ones, I was never there. It was work, work, work. And then if I had a bit of time off, it was, I'm, I'm sorry to say, this is, that makes me sound awful, but it was Palace. Uh, and, you know, that was, that was <laughs> my Palace, so, this, this, this is, um, this is Crystal Palace. It is, for my sins, it is what Crystal Palace. a waste of time yeah. that was. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and yet you'd have thought if I'd had some leisure time, the last thing you'd want to do would be go and watch Palace play. Yeah, you want to enjoy but, yourself. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, very, very supportive wife. Um, she's been wonderful. She's a midwife, but she's been wonderful um, supporting me. And, and, um, and, and she still is. So it, it's, but I think that work life, that work life balance, I'm now in the process of trying to buy time back. Mm. And I think if, if 30, if I could go back 30 years ago, mm. I would have done it so differently. And I think I was too scared not to provide for my family. And therefore I just said yes to everything. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap. I was too scared of never, I've, I've been in situations where we've had no work. Now, if you're self-employed, no work, no money. Mm. It's it's that simple. So you said, I just said yes to everything, and um, I think that was that was a big mistake. And I think actually, take enough for what you need. Uh, don't try and grab it all. And, and and actually, life and quality of life is is worth a lot more. Um, um, but but you know, holidays. I always used to get ill on holiday because I was so stressed. Wow. Um, you know, we'd have two weeks in the summer, and that was it. 
Um, and, and but but now you know, well, I have to do a lot of business trips to Crete, so find the pots. So that's a so hard. Someone's got to do oh, it. Oh, yeah, you got you got you, you take the can for that. Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, but but that's that the other thing, mistakes wise, is is I know we we briefly talked about you know the sad loss of Gianluca Viali, but I, I think the, the greatest quote I heard from him was, was you either win or you learn. Yeah, and, and and I think you know again we're constantly learning in business, and I think if you things like so if you don't win a tender, you know don't don't be a salty bitch about it. You know you get on and you find out why you didn't win that tender, and and you actually start to learn from things like that. You know ask for well what were the comparable prices? You know what could what could I have done differently yeah. Yeah. Uh, to have won that job? So 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 don't just sort of sulk. And, and and throw your toys out of the pram. Learn from learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Well, the one of the famous stories about that um, non landscape related that Thomas Edison, when he was inventing the light bulb, he, he apparently everyone thought he was mad. It's it failed so many times, and they said mm. to him, "Look, how comes you've um, you know you, you've you've um, tried twelve thousand times or whatever the uh, the story is, you know, to to invent this thing?" And he said, "No, no, I've, I've not failed. I've not failed. I've just found eleven thousand nine hundred ninety-nine ways of how not to make a light bulb." Because <laughs> every every uh, in inverted commas failure was just taken in that closer to success, yeah. you know. And I think you've got to fail. If you're not willing to fail, you're not doing enough. You're not pushing hard enough. You're not trying. You're not pushing the boundaries enough. Yeah. And uh, and and there's always a lesson. And next time, maybe you get a better result, or the time after that, the time after that. But if you keep you know trying, you're going to eventually find the right way. But if 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 through like your podcast and other people's podcasts, they people can learn from the mistakes. It just helps increase the progress, you know, so that they don't have to go through those painful, really painful lessons that can be either costly in terms of money, time, relationships, energy, mindset, or, or, and then just sort of burn out, you know. So if yeah. we can sort of skip some of those by brilliant advice from yourself and other people we've had on here, then that's what this uh, this show is all about. So, um, you know, it's interesting you say about, you know, your work-life balance. Look, money can be made and spent and made again, but once you've spent your time, it's gone forever. It's gone. And it's, it's, never, it. it's never coming back, you know. So I think they're, they're, they're important um, sort of uh, principles to live by and to remember. Mm. Good, 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 good. So, um, okay, then. So have you got top top three tips on how to suggest, how to improve your efficiencies or profitability of a company that, you, that you've known from your, all your experience? Ooh, well, this is something, I think my number one here, Nick, would be something I've only really started to learn the last two or three years. Mm. Um, and a, a, a friend of mine is a very, very successful um, wine merchant, a company called Far Vintners. And, um, you know, I, I turn over tens of millions of pounds a year. And I was, I was talking to him, you know, he's a Palace fan, that's how we're, we're such good friends. <laughs> and I was talking to him, they never have meetings. Right. And, and it's quite an interesting one how his company runs. But they say, yeah, we don't have meetings. We just talk and, and we, we'll say, you know, well, this is, I'm doing this. And, you know, and, and, and Steve might say, well, don't do that, do this, do it like this. But they never sit down and have formal meetings. This is a complete waste of time. Yeah. And I think our problem is, is that, 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 that some people are obsessed with having to have a meeting. And, and, and I think that, and last year, you know, I got dragged up to a project to be told by the designer and the project manager that we weren't doing the slot drain. 
And I said, so I've just spent 50 quid on a train fare to come up to London because you said you needed a meeting. Yeah. And so I, I, I came and, and, and I said, I've had to sit there in, in this meeting, listen to, to the, what the plumber's doing and listen to what the electrician's doing. And uh, my whole role when it came to landscape was we're not doing the slot drain, the main contractors. Yeah. I said, that's, a, that's an email. Yeah. I said, that's a phone call. So I think I think my top tip would be reduce reduce meetings that aren't necessary. Yeah. Um, establish what the purpose of the, the meeting or the discussion is and, and can it be resolved via, you know, quick check like we're doing, Zoom, yeah, FaceTime, yeah. anything yeah. like that, but but save time on because you've got to remember that designers, architects, um project managers, quite often they're getting paid by the hour. So they love a meeting. Of course they do. Yeah. Now, if you're on a fixed price tender, it, yeah. it, it's you ain't getting paid by the hour. No. And, no. and so therefore, I always say, we, 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 like I say, if it can be resolved more efficiently, do it. Um, don't do don't do meetings for the sake of meetings. I think look at the location of projects. We always joke saying we'll work anywhere in the world apart from North London. <laughs> um, sorry, and that's you as a Tottenham fan. Don't blame you though. It's a bit. It's it's like um, you know, the Harlem up there. It's, uh, it's like the Bronx. <laughs> isn't it? it's not the, nice reason, the reason is, is it going back to saying I used to say yes to everything. It's just time efficiency, and it also drives the staff. It lowers the staff morale. Oh, yeah. we're doing this job. We haven't got accommodation because it was a tender, so we had to be competitive. Yeah. By the way, you're going to be sat in a van for five hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to want to do it. They're not going to want to drive for two and a half, three hours in the it morning. Does. It does. And, and then just sort of, they're, they're sort of like knackered by the time they've got to work. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's always so careful with your location of work. Um, and the other one, I just did a recent talk for the SGD, and it was ensure designers are producing the correct documents for tendering. Right. So it's not your job to work out how that garden's going to be built. It's a case of, you know, I don't want to be spending days or weeks um, on, on a quote because it's that's not your job. They should be producing a bill of quantities. So try and ensure that you've got all the correct information to make your time in pricing it mm. as, as efficient as possible. And, and again, don't get you could be out if if you are a small company or still a one member, you don't want to be up till two, three in the morning pricing jobs. You want to be out on site and actually I've got to do a quote tonight. It's going to take me a couple of hours, um, or it's going to take me a couple of evenings to produce this quote. That's fine, but you don't want to be spending weeks of time working out how it's going to be built. So it's making sure you've got the correct drawings, correct documentation that it can easily be priced. Yeah, well, time is money, isn't it? And it's it's time away from family as well, isn't it? And seeing your kids. Yeah. So you got you got to value your own time. I think I think when when people like the example you said earlier about yeah, you went all the way down there, spent fifty quid in the train just to be told something that could be done over an email. Those kind of people don't value their own time. Therefore, they don't value other people's times. You know, and, and that's I, just, I think they I think they do time. value their time. Because they're paid hourly. Depends, yeah, depends who they are. But generally speaking, <laughs> so, when people when people um are wasting your time. You look at them and you think, well, they probably don't really value their own what their own time is worth to their business, yeah, you know, yeah. and they don't see it that way. Um, but when it starts encroaching on your family time, you know, that's a bit of a red flag, isn't it? Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so, what parts of being in business have you found the most rewarding then for you personally? 
Um, it sounds a bit cliche-ish, but yeah. I would say it's the awards. Yeah. And we never used to enter awards. And I, I'll always remember the first one we ever entered was, was uh, I mean, I did Chelsea as a student at Mary's Woods. I mean, people forget that, you know, uh, Mary's Woods historically had 12 gold medal showdowns because it was part right. of the syllabus. Right. But, um, so I did it I did it as a student, um, but we never did show gardens um, when I first set the outdoor room. We never did... Um, um, you know, we weren't members of Barley um, because I was sort of like, well, what do I need to be a member of an organisation for? I know how good I am a landscaper, you know, it's, uh, yeah. so I don't I don't need that recognition. But then actually, it's more the point we did join Barley, I mean, and, and the benefits of, of, of being a member have been for support and, and, you know, again, that networking opportunity has been phenomenal. So I, I would highly recommend it. But... Um, the other thing I, I, I would say, if you enter the awards, that's not for my ego. Well, it is a little bit, but it's it's more a case of it, it's showing the guys and the mm. staff what they're doing day in, day out. It's their work. It's actually yeah. being recognised on, yeah. on such a huge platform. Yeah. And again, that goes for show gardens as well as, as Barley Awards. Yeah. And, and, and it's more a case of, do you know what? You've done such an amazing job you've won an award. Yeah. Um, I think I've been up on stage once to collect a Barley Award. And other than that, I always want the foreman to go up or, yeah. you know, whoever's project managed it because it's about it's about them. Yeah. And, and it's a case of, you know, and it gives them the, the insight. They want to do it again. And they're, they're scrapping over who's going to be yeah. doing what gardens at Chelsea, who's going right. to be doing the best projects, which might yeah. win an award. And we don't enter every year. Yeah. And so when we do enter for a Barley Award, it really does have to be a special one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think some companies just enter willy-nilly for the, for the sake, then they just pick the best of what they've done that year. But, you know, I just think actually, you know, we haven't done anything. We've done some brilliant cards this year, but none of them I don't think are worthy of a, of a, of a, of a Barley Award. Yeah. And yeah, I actually yeah. hold a Barley Award. Saying the greatest thing that's ever happened to me was winning Best in Show at Chelsea. Yeah. I actually still hold a Barley Award as a higher status than I than I do a, a, an RHS medal, yeah. only because it's permanent. Yeah. You know, it, it, show gardens at the end of the day are show gardens. Yeah, um, but Barley Awards are real gardens. Yeah, yeah, and and so competitive, isn't it? So so competitive to win those. Yeah, so just um, <laughs> on the Barley the thing. Fun. Yeah, absolutely, it's great fun. Um, but touching on the barley thing, I know that you you you're one of the um the co-founders of Go Landscape. Is that right? Oh, Nigel Bocock. You and Nigel? And I love Nigel. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he was it was great fun, very difficult. I mean, the industry. Um, so I I, I got elected on onto the board, uh, and it was the case we were like the two naughty boys in the boardroom. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, but then they stuck us in charge of education. And he's, he's now he's now chairman, yeah. um, and I think is is you know very worthy of, of, of chairman as well. Um, it's it's probably been blessed with some really really good chairmans recently um, over the last few years. So, um, but Nigel Knight, yeah, and we were saying, well, how are we going to do this? And we thought, do we go into schools and colleges? So we need. I said, first thing I need is to take this seriously. This is a full time job for whole department, not just a yeah. part time job for us two. No, and yeah. you know we sat down and it took us 
and we would come up with ideas and you'd go and present to the board and, and it'd be like, you know, we were getting beaten up all the time saying, well, you know, is this, is this what's happened? Is that what's happened? So we said, well, we need a full-time education officer. So we got a full-time education officer, Steve Ensel, who's who sadly just left. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so difficult encouraging people at school careers events because you're up against you know the police, the army, accountants, the banks, yeah. you know what yeah. I'll say, grown up jobs, mm. and we're saying no, look, landscaping, we 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 need people of every walk of the caliber of life. We need people with degrees. We need people with PhDs. But we also we we can accommodate people from any background, mm. um, any sex, any background, any ethnicity. It, it, it's there's something for everyone, and, and but getting young people the schools now are driving so much. It's I mean we've got Rishi telling us we've all got to become mathematicians now. Oh, and so what about art? What about music? What about creative subjects? Life skills. And that is that, this yeah. is what I would tell kids at careers events. They say, what qualification should I be going for? I said, maths and English are always useful. Geography, funny enough, science is useful. I said, but be creative. You know, yeah. be art. if you like art, study art. If you like music, study music. Study those creative subjects, and you're going to get all those juices flowing into a creative industry. And that is exactly what we are. We are creating places of beauty. Mm. Um, so anyway, Nigel and I, yes, we did, we did, we did found it together, and he was great. I mean, I I stepped down. Um, he carried on pushing it, Jake. Um, Kathleen has, has, has done a great job and, and he's been really supportive of Go Landscape. Mm. He's now a director. Um, and I think, yeah, it's in good hands, but it is so difficult, Nick, just just getting and, and getting that message across. Because, again, schools want to encourage people to stay on and do their A-levels because that gets their you know uh, percentages up and, and points up from the funding purposes and you know we've got x number but so you're banging your head against the brick wall and it's a case of educating the public and saying landscaping is a professional career yeah. and, and and do not think of it as as, as a second-rate job um you know i still call myself when, when i have to fill out a form or something and it says, what do you, what, what's your occupation? Oh, I don't know. But I still write landscape gardener. And I use those words because I think horticulture is being taken away too much from the landscape industry in the sense of, and I blame the RHS for this and, and the presidents of, of, you know, oh, we've got the, the landscapers are just hard landscapers. It's not. You're a landscape gardener. You should study construction and you could, should study horticulture. Mm. Yeah, it's a trouble with the school system, the scholastic system. It, things don't seem to change because the people that make the decisions have been through and bought into that scholastic system and they've sort of programmed to just keep keep that conveyor belt going. Yeah. Whereas there's so many other great things to do. I'm always baffled and surprised when I hear people like yourselves and uh, and Wayne Grill say, you know, we struggle to get people in the industry. And, and, and everyone says the same thing. I think a lot of the people on the show have said that. And I just, I, it baffles me really, because for me, it just seems like a, another brilliant industry to be in. And, and you're not stuck in the office, you're out in nature, you're keeping yourself fit, you know, and um, and you're creating things. I just find it quite hard to, 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 to understand or to 
to see why people wouldn't be attracted to it personally. The most, the most soul-destroying thing I ever heard, having four kids, and there's 10 years between the eldest and the youngest, yeah. asked all of them. I said, why, why did none of you want to, want to, want to become in landscape? Sam followed me, but he went to Merriswood, but he then dropped out. Um, and I said, why, why don't you, at school, why, why, why didn't any of you think about following me into landscaping? Hmm. And they said, and, and go to Brinsbury or go to Merriswood, and said, oh, that's where they send the thick kids. And he said, you, you, you are labelled. if you go, But it's not just landscaping, it's trade. If you go in, and so therefore, you know, there's this element of, of well, thick kids go and become a plumber, thick kids go and become a, a bricklayer, thick kids go and become a landscaper, and, and therefore it is still regarded at their age. Yeah. Now, that's only coming from schools. Yeah. Totally. And, 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 you know, the idea that they're being labelled at this, and you, you go to Brinsbury, and they said that's where they send the special needs kids. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's yeah, crazy. It just surprises me. I mean, I'm not directly in the industry, but always does sort of make me scratch my head as to to why we need so to change hard. the mindset of the public as yeah. to what landscaping yeah. actually. Is. But that's what I love about this go go landscapes, and so so go landscape, you know, helps with the skills and gets people you know into the industry and helps the the operational people become better at being better landscapers, whereas. You know what I do with companies is try and get the business owners of landscape companies to to upskill to where they the levels that that they were at operationally, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because if you're running a landscape business, as we said, they're two totally different skill sets for you know to to you know, doing a project, in, installing a project, and running a landscape business. So I think the two for business owners are hand in hand because you start off with great landscaping skills and knowledge. But then I think there's there's also something missing in terms of how do you then help people to to grow a successful, profitable landscape business. And that's that's why I set this podcast up, really, to help people get that knowledge, learning from the best of the best, like yourself and, and all the other guests, um, so that they do have the belief that actually this could be a really successful business and they could they could, you know, make a, and create a great life for themselves and their families. You know, but I think having the two things, you've got to have the the, the, the the education on both sides, the operational stuff and the business stuff. Um, anyway, interesting. Um, I could talk to you all day long, but we've got um, limited time. So I, I've got a couple of other questions for you uh, yeah. before I let you go on your merry way. Um, if you've got someone who is in that situation and they're a bit stuck at the moment um, and they want to expand their business, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge uh, or, or know what to do. What would you say to someone? What advice would you give to someone in that situation? Ooh, soul, soul search um, and be careful what you wish for. If, if they're stuck and they want to expand, um, I would say, ask around question. I've, I've said it before, Nick, you know, why ask yourself why do you want to do this um i would speak to the bank as well which is very difficult to do these days since no one seems or other alternative investors uh um, lenders you know there's like yeah uh, and and be careful make sure that because you know i've been in situations where the banks have said oh well actually you're you're you know i've gone on and and said oh i need to buy you know Four hundred thousand pounds, and I said, "Actually, we've we've checked your rating, and you you can borrow up to a million. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want a million. Uh, you know, don't don't borrow what you don't need. Yeah. Um, it, it's a case of asking ask yourself why why you want the money. But I think if you're, like we said cash is king. Um, so I would always say 
ensure that the market is right for you. Yeah. Um, listen to the news and, you know, oh, we're going into recession, this and recession. Well, actually, we've sort of talked about that, you know, in the last few months, we could be going into recession. But actually, it's the first time the outdoor room's ever been booked up for over a year. <laughs> I know. And, and so I'm going, do I listen to the news or do I just keep going? And actually, keep going. And if you know the market's right for you, you've got the good contracts. Mm. Uh, uh, you, you've got the good contracts which are right for you. Not you. You haven't just done my biggest mistake and just said yes to everything. Yeah. then you know the time is right and you should have a gut instinct that it's time. Actually, I need to push on. I need to push on. I need this. Don't go out and buy a fleet of brand new vans and, and hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of new tools. That's not going to get the work done. No. It's going to make you look flash. Yeah, there you go. It's not going to get the work done. You need to be turning those jobs into profit. And, and you need to know that you're in the right place. And you say, actually, if I do this and this goes wrong, always have a contingency if something goes wrong. You know, what are you going to do if something goes wrong on one of those projects? Are you financially stable enough to be able to carry that through? What What's your risk element of, of something going wrong? If you're not asking yourself those questions, then you really shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I know people who just bankrupted themselves and said, oh, actually, it wasn't working out. I've gone bust, this, that, and the other. I have I have to say, I sound really ruthless here, and it's not the case for everyone, but I haven't got a lot of sympathy for them. Because I said, well, you know, did you ever ask if something went, went wrong? You say that, but that could have happened at any time. Yeah, but I took a gamble. Well, don't gamble. Yeah. Calculate risk, but don't gamble. Yeah. On Mark Gregory's podcast, he says... The main one of the one things one of the well, one of many things that stood out on that his his role he said is all about risk management. His role is I just assess risk and I'm very good at assessing assessing risk. Same as what you just said there, um, and taking responsibility for that. Um, okay, very very good. Um, final question. Um, let's maybe have uh, one or two golden nuggets for someone who's trying to build their business. If you had two, one or two golden nuggets, you probably mentioned. Some of them along the way today, but um yeah, I think I have. I think I have. Um I would say the most the, the biggest golden nugget, and I've said this already, Nick, I know I have learn to say no, learn when to say no. Yeah. And you'll have people pushing you and pushing you and pushing you to do a job. And it's it's you either can't do it in a time frame they want. Oh, okay, I can get it started, but then you just end up with sleepless nights because you've got another yeah. five or six jobs on the go at the same time. So, so don't um, learn to say, "Look, I just can't do it." Um, it might be distance. Oh, but we really, really want the outdoor room. We really want you to do this job. Mm. Well, yeah, but it's it's in it's in you know Birmingham. We're in Sussex. So, <laughs> I, you know, and, and I've, again, I've had that. And, and you sort of get all the guilt comments. Learn to say no. I think that's the most important thing. Choose the right projects. My, what I, th I think the, um, I can't remember the order it was said in, but John Wire, um, I've always found as one of the most inspirational people in the industry. Yeah. I think what John has, uh, he said, every project, they have a three-point evaluation. And, and, and it was, um, is the project going to make money? 
Yeah. Is the project going to enhance his company's reputation or his own reputation? And thirdly, is it going to be fun? Is it fun? Yeah. yeah. You should enjoy going to work. Yeah. And and I've always hung on, I remember listening to him speak, and I always remember I, I, I hung on to those that, that that pearl of wisdom. And and I think he's he's absolutely right. And if you've got all three, then, yeah. then that's your golden ticket, isn't it? Yeah. But he said you've got to go for at least two out of those three to see whether or not the project's right for you yeah. or that the project's right for your company. Makes sense. Um, you excited about it then, can't you? And be fully committed to it. Yeah. Um, um, and again, like I say, it, 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 it's making sure that, that the, the environment is, is right for you as well. Your, your market is, you're in the right market. Don't overgear. Make sure that your every job you're doing, stretch yourself by all means. Yeah. And I think that you've got to push yourself because I think if you if you're not pushing yourself, you'll go stagnant. And it's like if you're not driving your business forward, then it's only going to start to 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 go downhill. It does. Um, you know, you might you might level out for a bit, but then you're going to start to slide backwards. So you do have to keep pushing, but it's doing it in the right measures. And and it's it's you've got to ensure that. You know, can you actually do this job? I mean, you talk about Mark Gregory. An interesting one for us was we were asked to do the um, Jubilee Garden for the Tower of London. And we had the meetings with them. And and I just said, no, it's too big for us. Too big for us. And the time frame doesn't, we can't do it within your time frame. And and it was two projects, which Landform do. And it was the same with Wisley. And we we dropped out of doing the the, the Wisley Garden. and, and because it was it was both of them, it was to do with time frames, and they were the wisdom one we could have done, but we couldn't do it in the time frame. But the Tower of London one was just too big for us. Yeah. And I said, this is more civils, and I just said, actually, someone and I was delighted that Landform did get to do them. So I think those projects are the right ones for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and they they didn't fit within what we do. So again, it's knowing your limitations and knowing your boundaries. Yeah. Um, I think it's absolutely critical. Yeah, yeah. Well, you practice what you preach. And uh, in the words of Harry Enfield, know your limits, as he used to say all those years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 manage the risk, you know, which is important. So um, anyway, great, David. It's been a pleasure talking to you and listening to your uh, pearls of wisdom today. If people do want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with Dodds? How, how, how long did you try and get in touch with me for? Oh, only about six months. <laughs> I, I got the, I, I bumped into you at the, at the Grove now at the Barley Awards, and you said, "Text me, just text me, text, <laughs> me. text me." So is that the right way? Text. Uh, I, 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 I think. I mean, by all means, if it's about work, ring the outdoor room. It's uh, you, you'll speak to the wonderful Jules or Mark. Brilliant. And um, it's they'll they'll take any price. If you want to just. Ping me a text or ping me a, a emails. I'm 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 terrible at reading emails. I'm putting my hands up. I'm, right. I am terrible. At it reading. won't be emails. Would just, you, just, you give have me a call on my mobile. Can, it, 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 this goes out public. I don't know if I want everyone having my mobile number. No, no, no. But, but well, I they don't can mind. You, they can contact you through the office, and the office can then give give phone numbers. We don't want to be um, you know. She'll sure. force me. She'll force me to. Uh, so Jules is very, very scared. I've, I've kicked her out of the office, actually, while I'm doing this. Oh. So uh, she'll force me to ring people. She's very good at that. Yeah, okay then. So how can they get in touch with her? If we, if we... Oh, just um, either inquiries at the outdoor room, 
uh, .co.uk, or, UK, right. I don't um, mind giving, what, what, what's the phone, 01403 There we go. Um, all international up. inquiries. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, honestly, I don't mind giving out my mobile. Brilliant. Um, well, it's been uh, it's been great. Thanks for that. I appreciate that and uh, and your openness to to help people. Obviously, you 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 it's all part of who you are as part of your uh, Go Landscape uh, project or, or initiative. Also suggests so. Uh, forever it's, a teacher. It's vital to Go Landscape. That's it. And for forever a teacher, David. You know your parents will be very proud. <laughs> all right, I'll let you go. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Nick. Cheers, David. It's been great Thanks. fun. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. To get in touch and see how we can help you with your business by emailing nick at nickruddle.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.